Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. Thanks for listening. Uh, my next guest is a Baltimore native that has been a director, producer in the DMV area for over 15 years. Please welcome Alvin Gray. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, hey thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, I feel like I feel like I'm going to be like like marking out a little bit, you know, like I'm, I'm a I'm a failed film person. So we might have a little, you know, a little vibe there. But um, tell us a bit about your background. Describe your work. Kind of like where yeah. you grew up. Give it those, those details where you grew up in Baltimore. Yeah. So I grew up in northeast side of Baltimore, uh, starting out like in the east side of Baltimore, I guess. I went to high school, Overly High School, graduated from there um, with a couple of hiccups. But you know, where I, I claim Overly High School. Um, from there, I went to community college for a semester. I was like, this is whack. Didn't really like it too much. And um, I took the refund money from my first check from making the, the book purchases or whatever. And I went to Best Buy or Circuit City and purchased the camera yeah. and this, this small, stupid film. But, you know, I got it done and um, it made a little bit of noise. Um, played around with that for a little while. I worked for Comcast for a little while. Uh, not just like the Comcast, like the set cable setup, but like Comcast Studio, yeah. which I didn't even think. Yeah. Um, I worked like one of those boring stations, like Channel 73, like the Education Channel or something like that. Yeah. Like just logging tapes all day. And I was like, this is whack. So um, messed around with radio for a little while, didn't like that. And I said, you know what? Let me just try to make movies again. Yeah. And that just started making my own movies. I got tired of going to auditions and kept getting told no. So I was like, I'll just make my own and put myself in it. And from there, the rest is just history. That was, that's great. That's one of those things. Like I was hearing some of the, uh, that indie filmmaker thing that I think Kevin Smith talked about. He's like, yeah, I dropped out of film school, used the refund money to and credit card debt to do my own thing. And you know, like, like that, that's a thing for me. Like, um, in terms of starting this podcast, my, my story was like, I went over to the Best Buy one day. I was annoyed at work. I didn't quit, but I was like, I'm going to use this to fund this. And I went over there and bought a bunch of equipment I didn't know how to use. And I still have most of it to this day. And um, luckily I know how to use it now, but it's one of those things where when you're trying to, to drive that creative thing, you're like, look, I got to come back to it. I got to figure this out somehow. Um, and I noticed you said the key thing that I'm doing this for. I only do podcasting so I can hear myself talk. <laughs> if I would get into film, it would only be like, look, we got to cast a fat superhero. You got to be six foot four, 300 pounds. Every, every leading man is that. <laughs> right. So, so in it, was it mostly trial and error? Was it things that you picked up and having just kind of different things that I like to look at it as an entrepreneurship in real life, like trying different jobs that, like speak on how you learned some of your techniques around like shooting, like in, in, in uh, cinematography, editing, things of that nature. Speak on that a bit. Well, a lot of it was trial and error, but like, I guess to say the format that I follow is uh, I went to become an extra on the set of the wire in the movie step up yeah. uh, back 13, 15 years ago. So a while, a long time ago. Okay. I didn't go in there for uh, the purpose of being an extra per se. I really wanted to learn how to, how they do this, how they make movies. Now I didn't think, <clears throat> I didn't think that I was going to make the movies exactly how they did it. Cause they had a way bigger budget, but I just wanted to learn the basics, <laughs> the, the link, you know, what they say and like what, what, stuff like that. So um, I took that format 
of what Step Up in the Wire did. And I took the similarities of that. Said, okay, they say this and they say this the same. So let me take these things and put them onto my set. Hired, not hired. I was asked a couple of friends, hey, you want to do these certain roles? And they all were down for it. Yeah. And it was just trial and error. Okay. Um, even down to like color correction. Because I was watching my first movie like, damn, how does that movie look so movie-like and mine looks so video-like? And that was only the fact of me missing color correction. I didn't understand what that was 15 yeah. to make things have tones. So um, things like that, just learning as I go, um, who to cast, who not to cast, why you shouldn't hire family members versus why you hire professionals, um, the difference between videographers and cinematographers, um, the difference between theater actors and actual uh movie actors you know just but those are things that you just learned along the way and um trial and error a lot of it and even to this day i just shot a movie like last year and i'm still learning like okay i know not to do this part again not to do that (laughs) the next movie so and and i I think the thing i found out the most is for the next movie i don't want to work with nobody try to pick out some eddie murphy type stuff let me just be everybody um (laughs) the scenes and on the camera i just don't want to deal with no one anymore but uh yeah so that's that's it just a lot of trial and error yeah um that's like i i I took a few film classes on high school and a film theory class in college and it it was kind of one of those things of yeah like you said once you start getting in that lingo it's like how can i apply this what they're doing here from this vantage point i'm in a I think the viewpoint is I'm in a non uh, important position, but I'm going to make this important in terms of the experience to learn, like, how do you run this? How do you navigate this? And, you know, I understand in running this whole setup, not a po- it's a podcast, obviously not, not like film, but it's still a production and yeah. running the standpoint of, I get what you were saying about like, I want to do it by myself, <laughs> you know, cause it, it's not, it doesn't make one of the most interesting content sometimes me just talking, but at the same time, you kind of like control those variables. I think, I think a lot of people who are in that filmmaker director kind of founder host standpoint, they are very like, look, I need to control all of this. You're not yeah. giving me what I need. I need this. If I can duplicate myself and act against myself or pot against myself, I would. Yeah. But yeah, it, I think it makes it, and maybe you rely on this. I think it makes it um, more oriented around problem solving. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think that approach, I think productions tend to, regardless of the production, I think they tend to come with different challenges and what have you. Um, and you have to figure out like how you're going to get around it to stay within budget, to work long hours. You may have to delegate things of that nature when you're working with others. So they require a lot ultimately. Um, so with that, with requiring a lot of working on things, tell me how you spend your time when you're not working on a project. Because it take a lot of your time. So what's the other side of it? Unfortunately, it's even when I'm not working on a project, it's still up here. Like I can't, I just can't do anything else. Even like today, I had a day off supposedly, but um, my mom was just running. Okay, Alvin, what's next? What are you going to shoot? Um, what is the budget going to be? What is the dialogue right? Like you maybe should work on another script. What script do you want to work on? It's just my mind runs constantly. So when I'm not on set, physically i'm still on a set mentally up here or creating a new set mm-hmm. it just um 
I, you know, I heard Wayne, I think Kanye said it a couple of times too in the music industry, like they got all these words that he needed to get out in the studio, you know, just to hear all these voices in their head. And with me, I just, I have all these scenes in my head and it just drives me insane to the point now where like not even a shot of whiskey or five shots of whiskey can help. Um, it just makes me more miserable because now I'm just bloated and just still with all this stuff in my head. So like, so, so, so tell me about those advantages because you had the background in doing music videos too, right? Um, tell me about those advantages or maybe even tell me about the advantages and challenges working on shorter form media, like a music video versus like actual, like, like film, like features. Yeah. So I found myself when I used to make a lot of music videos, I tried to do narrative and with so I, I create so a lot of people in my industry start start off doing short films. Mm-hmm. I have never done I've always done features. My first movie was a feature film. So to take these narratives and put them to five minute short, 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 short videos was just a huge challenge for me because it's like it, the video was never done. Like, no, we I can't tell a story in five minutes. I don't know how to. I yeah. can make it visually, but I can't actually give you a full story. So a challenge of mine was people say, Oh, yo, Alvin. You make movies, so you should be able to do a really good job in this music video. I don't know who voice that was, by the way, but <laughs> it's someone's voice. And um, I'm like, no, I can't. Like, and I start freaking out because I have the pressure of making these videos into many movies, and I don't know how to make a mini movie. I don't, and that's that's. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, I've always had the issue of with music videos. Uh, creating the the actual video that I, the project or tell a story that I wanted to because it just wasn't enough time. Yeah. Um, another issue in Baltimore shooting music videos was having guns pointed at the camera all the time. And <laughs> it's, well, you know, I'm just done with shooting videos, period. You know, like I, I've had so many situations where like I'm shooting and a shooter shooting me or shooting head towards me. I'm like, okay, this is getting crazy. Um, and I just want to stop. And I think that was one of the last um last year is when i started seeing a trend of that happening yeah. like all right i need to get off of these sets before um i get shot shooting someone yeah. we'll that up, but you know it's it's, it's super meta actually <laughs> yeah but i i think like I, I had a buddy like and maybe this is just ignorance or confidence somewhere in the middle right i had a buddy who remember that that product that came out or that, that video platform that came out quibi and he's like, I can't see that. It was uh, basically very, very micro form media and it was high budget. So you have legitimate actors doing like two, three minute things like videos or what have you. And my thought was it, there's a way to do it, but what license do you have and how do you do it? Like if this is a series, right? Let's say it's a 10 part series and you got three minutes to do it. Just we're going to extend this. We're going to continue this. This is going to be like one long episode. I was like, it depends on how you do it. My my imagination starts going. I go to problem solving mode. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I understand what you're saying. Um, so with that, in terms of like having those those longer videos, right, or those longer pieces of content and media, taking that more of a feature approach, what does editing look like to you? What's your approach when it comes to editing? Because some people leave too much in there. We we've seen that these two and a half hour epics, and it's like, dog, can you can you trim it? Oh my god, yeah, that's. I think that's a problem, um, and I say this lightly. I think it's more of a problem in the urban community with the independent films. You know, where I see a lot of people in our field, my field, or whatever. Um, they have like these two and a half hour movies that for, and I when I watch the movie, I said, okay. 
these particular scenes, these sex scenes that you have it in these extra club scenes, like all these different scenes in the films, I just feel like aren't called for. It's a it's a thing that for whatever reason we need we feel like we need to tell the whole story. Um and then some. And it's not getting to the point. So you have to ask yourself when editing, does the story still come across without these scenes? What is the point of these particular scenes? Um so with me personally, when it comes to editing, I have a harder time editing uh, music videos or commercials or whatever else than film. Film to me is pretty cut and dry. One scene to the other scene, one scene to the other scene. And um, I guess because I also have a background in music videos as well, I'm able to trim down my features that used to be two hours down to like an hour and 20 minutes because I'm, I have a blend of both worlds. Yeah. So it helps a lot. But I just, you know, I watch Tubi lately a lot, um, that stream series and everything. And I just watch these films and I'm like, oh, my God, why am I spending two hours and 20 minutes on this movie? Three times a day, I look up, I spent the whole shift watching movies that didn't, that shouldn't have been that long, you know, so. I look at some of those things because I, I tend to watch, quote unquote, bad movies sometimes just to get an idea of like, uh, OK, I'll put it this way. Me and my me and my girlfriend, we watch movies a lot. We watch them together generally, but we have rubrics on whether this movie is going to be bad or good or basically as a means to not shit on it but to really say like all right this is what you intended this is what could have been done and being very forgiving and like all right maybe there was budget issues maybe you hired the wrong actor kind of that that thing you were touching on earlier between a film actor movie actor versus a theater actor things like that like i know like theater actors have to be very bombastic and the acting doesn't always translate i i get it i get it and and watching watching some of these things, you're just like you'll, you'll look at it and you're like you know if you just trim down maybe that one scene, that scene didn't do anything. And I think kind of what you were t- what you were poking at there is is this attempt to try to get everything in there, and it's like it doesn't have to be that way. You can tell whatever your story is, and you know maybe have a little bit more diversity in the content because that's the thing that I get get caught on. Like one of the things that I want to do here, why don't we have a black weird Baltimore thing, like having that same tone. It's like Atlanta. It's right. just some version of man. These motherfuckers shot my people, man. And then <laughs> this, and it's like, yo, can we have something that shows that we got interesting people here, funny people, artists, we have various communities here and at least use that as a jumping off point to maybe have more people have the, the courage to try to, how to try to make this type of content. That's the thing that yeah. I look for. But to your point of having, just kind of this long, this longer content that's all right. We got the sex scene. That's gotta be like five minutes. We can get this club scene in here. It's like, yo, you're, you're telling the same thing. You're just, you know, spending two hours just talking about this fictional life you have. Right. That, that we really don't need in order to get the story across, you know, and I, I just feel like I see it every time I, I start questioning myself. Like, am I doing this wrong? Am I, is it a different formula? Yeah. You know, is this what I'm missing? So um, it's it, it it gets a little interesting when watching those type of movies and you know studying those type of movies. What what type of content? And maybe this maybe this is political. What type of content do do you watch? And or, or do you kind of just like shy away from other people's content because you don't want it to really affect what you're putting out there? Like, what does that look like for you? I watch everything. Um, again, I watched a lot of Tubi lately. Um, mm-hmm. in the, like a lot of independent films on that. Um, but then I watched the movie or the TV show Dope Sick right afterwards yesterday with uh, Michael Keaton as the, the lead. Yeah. Um, the awesome show. So um, 
I'm just the way that my mind works. I watch all kinds of stuff from Dexter to freaking BMF right afterwards. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm all over the place when it comes to content because I like to try to stay close to the whole universe. You know, when I say that, meaning like just the diversity of everything. I want to know what they're watching over here. Mm-hmm. They watch how to bring a blend of it into the world that I want to create for other people. That way I get a bigger audience. Um, and just want to stay relevant also. So I just, it's just always important to see, not to copy or mimic, but just to see what's out there, um, just so you can stay in the known of what's happening. You know, you don't want to be too far left. So yeah. um, I, I enjoy it. I, I'm entertained by it sometimes. I, I try to watch a little bit of everything too. Like my palate is really, really broad. And um, I've recently gotten into, I had this thing against watching things with subtitles and I've recently kind of let that stupid thing go away. And cause I, I get distracted more so than not interest. I just get distracted. It's like, man, I'm reading and it's just me being a terrible reader. It's like, I'm visually arrested. How am I supposed to read and be visually stimulated? But I, I think you start looking at, let's say things from like other cultures, right. Other, other uh, countries and seeing that their approach. So like, if we look at, um, series here, right? You know how we started doing limited series. It's like, oh yeah, six episodes because we mm-hmm. knew that we were doing 13 and 13 was kind of, I think 13, 10 to 13 is that sweet spot. But when you get to yeah. your regular series, like a Fox series, it's like 26. It's like, nah, that's not that good. Um, but I think sure. you start looking at what the, the British folks do, what have you, and with their content, they're like, look, we might not be coming back. So we're going to unload the chamber on this one. And we're going to put all our good stuff out there. And it kind of pushes for that quality, that content quality to be like higher because they're not guaranteed a, a five season order or whatever. And I think right. that that's closer to the approach that I'm looking for. And it forces like people to like, look, you can't, you can't put out a turd. You, you got to really put in your effort to make this work. So hire the right people, you know, kind of fight the studios or whoever's funding these things on, look, you can have two of these things. You can't have all five of them. You know what I mean? Right. 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 Cause that's a, so, so talk about the, the production component. Like we, we, I get the, I get some of the technical stuff, like, and I kind of get where you're coming from with it, but speak on like some of those kind of behind the scenes things that, when it comes to getting the movie made, that isn't necessarily movie making, if that makes sense. Wait, wait, wait. You say it's the movie making? <laughs> so, so it's, it's like, speak on some of those things that are required to get the movie made, but aren't necessarily movie making. So it doesn't maybe involve a camera. It might be, all right, we got to get this, uh, we got to get this, uh, the rights to this environment. We can't shoot here. So we got to get this done. We got to send this over to get whatever clearances we have to get some funding from here, things of that nature. Speak on some of those things, because I think it's missed all the time, the behind the scenes stuff to actually get to filming. I mean, that's everything for me though. Like with, with behind the scenes stuff, I'm just thinking like locations was always an issue. Um, yeah. You know, I'm just thinking like with Airbnb, like we had to get locations with them and um, they didn't like, we can't have parties. And like when we're shooting a film, they're like, oh, the film is cool. So literally the Airbnb that I wanted, this is just an example. It was like a hundred bucks tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, when I told them I was going to have nine people there, they was like, you can't have parties. I said, well, it's not parties. I said, it's a film shoot. They said, oh, for film shoots, it's $600. And I'm like, wait, I didn't <laughs> go from $600 because I'm shooting a film. They're like, well, you know what, HBO? I said, well, I'm not HBO. I'm, it's an it's a independent film. You know, so I, when people hear the word film, um, they just start going crazy and want to charge all these crazy prices because I was shooting at the same time that uh, HBO was shooting We Run the City. Mm-hmm. So it, 
go to a location and say, yeah, you know, HBO just shot here last week, and uh, how much you guys going to pay? And like, I'm not following up behind HBO. Um, I can't, I can't match with them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, they, they spend the amount of my budget for the whole movie. They spent that on COVID tests for the actors before. Like, they were paying, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. They were paying the act, the never actors, the background extras, like a hundred bucks a day, two days in a row before they actually even go and set to get paid to do the real job. So let's say if it was a shoot Monday yeah. or Friday, they would pay the actors on Wednesday to get a COVID test, on Thursday to get a COVID test. They would pay for the test and pay the actors a hundred bucks and then uh, per day. And then on the day of the shoot, they pay them again. And I'm like, their COVID tests alone is more than my whole budget. You cannot keep comparing me to those bigger budget productions. Yeah. It's just not fair. So um, that was an issue that we dealt with a lot with locations, just everyone comparing us to um, the bigger, bigger production stuff. I don't know if that was the actual the question you asked. No, no, I, I get what you're saying. So, so also speak on like that, that funding component, because I think that that gets lost. Like, um, so for instance, I, I think of, I had the question a little while ago where I say, yo, why is Spike Lee out there trying to raise money? Hasn't he been doing this thing for like, like 35, 40 years or something like that? Why does he need to like raise money? And I, I think that's lost upon people when you're in this independent space, you don't want to be beholden to a studio. So I, I want to learn a little bit more how you go about like marketing and maybe raising money to really fund your projects. Yeah. That, that, you know, you just, keep creating content until people believe in you. Um, in this particular situation, um, I had Darius from ODC Media. Um, they was trying to work with me since I used to do productions a long time ago. I don't, we didn't really talk about that too much, but I used to do production mm-hmm. 15 years back. And back then he really wanted to re- work with me because he saw what I was trying to build. I took a break, but when I came back, I was like, hey man, if you're still interested in you know doing some EP work, let me know. And he was right on it, you know, and um, that's how I got my particular person. But there are people out here all the time that just want to see their name on the big screen. They want to make some money back in the back end and everything like that. So um, executive producers are very important because mm-hmm. the project wouldn't get done. You know, yeah. so for my situation, it definitely wouldn't have got done. So um, it's very important to have a good EP. Even if your EP doesn't have the money, that's their job to go out and find the money from wherever they find it from, from a different company, real estate company, from a pharmaceutical company, um, from yeah. a, wherever they find the money from. Um, so I think it's very important for, for you to have a, a good EP on the set with you. Yeah, that's, that's big. Um, and I, I, again, I go back to the, uh, the evening with Kevin Smith thing. And I remember he had the EP, he was like, throw some money at it, you know, like whatever the thing is, whatever the issue, we can't find a scene. We can't get this. Yeah. Throw some money at it. I don't care. I'm the visionary here. So I I love it. I love it. Um, so see, um, in your opinion, what is the most important quality of a film director? Um, the most important quality of what I do, I think being able to tell a story and to understand your audience is the most important quality. So, um, I feel like almost as a director, you should be able to know how to act yourself mm-hmm. um, in order to understand how to bring out a character or how to, t- to, to tell your actor how you want them to perform the character. Um, Cause you yeah. know, so you should, you should know how to know what you want and understand what you want in order to give it to the actors to understand. I, I know 
in my time in this business, I felt a lot of guys who want to get into filmmaking that were outstanding cinematographers, but they call themselves a director also, but never directed. You know, they, they just shoot. They say, all right, action. They shoot, and the actors do some trash performance scene, and he's like, awesome, we got it. And I'm looking like, no, you didn't. That wasn't good at all. Like, <laughs> it, it, the scene looked good. The framing was cool, but your actors, didn't. they didn't pull off the scene. So people sometimes get lost on um, the difference in between be between being a filmmaker slash cinematographer versus a actual director. Um, I think as a director, if you really want to be a director, you have to understand um, character. You have to understand the story of the actor and how to get that out of them, how to perform so they can see how to mock you as a director and do it in their style. But, you know, that's that's what I would say. Yeah, we start looking at some of these like older directors like that, uh, like I, I go to Stanley Kubrick or what have you and the whole thing with Shelley Duvall. And it's like he tortured that woman for her to be tortured in this movie. That's a director. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was bad. Um, Like, I, you know, like I said before, you know, like I, I kind of romanticize filmmaking and the, the the business of show business, right? And my thing is, like, I never really wanted to be to be a director. I always looked at it like I'm a producer. I'm a person that can get this done. How do you bring these things together? That's the way that I look at. It. And 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 once I realized the distinction between it, because you're like, oh yeah, the producer. You're like, you'll see Bruckheimer's name up there. Like, yeah, you're more prominent than the director. Some trash, no name director, but then like Bruckheimer. It's like, oh yeah, him. Right. You know. I mean, unfortunately, that happens a lot. One of my favorite movies, uh, with Nightmare Before Christmas. People think that Tim Burton directed that movie, but he didn't. He was. He didn't. He didn't. And it's called Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, and the director gets lost in the sauce. I'm I'm ashamed to say this live on air, but I don't even remember the director's name. Um, but that happens a lot with bigger productions where the director slams their name on it. People thought that mm-hmm. Michael Bay directed. Uh, that last Jason movie that was out because he plastered his name all over it. He was a producer on that movie, but he wasn't the director. Henry Selleck was the director of Nightmare Before Christmas. Thank you. Thank you very much. Because <laughs> <laughs> served it. That's that's legit though. Like it's you know you look at the 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 production part. It's like that's the name that that's out there that goes along with it. And sometimes you have these dynamics where you might have a ghost director situation. It's like yeah, this person had this person's credited, but the real director was this person or have you because somebody was cutting up, somebody was not there, someone got fired, and they let them save face, things of that nature. Um, but ultimately, what I'm getting at is the the end product, right? The, the actual finished film, the, the product that's out there can be a lot, a lot different from what was actually produced and what the intent was initially. So if you will, uh, share with us the reality of directing independent film versus the expectations of it. It's like, this is going to go great. Like, nah, we can't get this Airbnb, get charged $600. They said we own this city, pay more. Everything, like directing independent film, everything falls on the producer director yourself the, me um there's no excuses it just has to get done anything that can go wrong will go wrong actors will quit that dps director photographers will leave out and you still have to get it done um so it's just no excuses and we don't have the luxury that bigger films have of writing a check so we can't just pay our way out of stuff um we mm-hmm. figure it out on the set you know it's it's 
it's not easy. It, it's not easy at all because anything that can go wrong will go wrong. We don't have trailers. Sometimes actors need to use the bathroom. We got to drive out. We in the middle of nowhere. You know, we don't have like porta potties and stuff like that. It's just anything can happen. So you always have to be prepared. I think that people, directors and producers from Hollywood, well, not just Hollywood, but the cliche of Hollywood, um, have it made easy. You know, when they have, you have to look at it this way. Uh, let's just throw out Warner Brothers, for example. Their production company and my production is a company, 910 Productions. We are both on set to create the same ending product. We're both trying to make a movie. The difference is, for them, they have over 300 people on their set. I have maybe eight people. We're both doing the same job. Right there should be able to, show, to tell you or show you the difference of being on a major film versus being on a film like ours. We have to do just as much work, a lot more work in order to stand up to these guys who got 300 on the set. So they get to play around a lot more than we do. So it's, I understand. it's a lot harder for us on the independent side to, um, to try to stand up to their, to their reputation. When I say that, like we need to still, our product need to come out looking just as good as theirs in order to be respected. But we have way less people than they, than, than they could even do like their, their craft service department is double the size of my whole production team, right. you know? So, and to be able to say, oh, at the end, if they, people say, oh, your, your stuff actually looks professional, looks legit, looks good. Um, I take that as a compliment, being that we only had eight people standing up next to Halloween Kills and they had like 300 people on that set. Um, so to me, being an independent filmmaker, director, or just being in that film realm, I give respect to anyone that's doing it and actually has a finished product because it's not easy. You know, you're going against an army of 300, I always say, when you only have your eight people. It's, it's like the movie 300, kind of, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is the last question I have before I get to some rapid fire questions with you. Yeah. Uh, tell us tell us about Sweet Dreams. Um, Sweet Dreams is a psychotic thriller about a girlfriend that can see into her boyfriend's dreams. Um, it's like Freddy Krueger and Freddy Attraction mixed. Um, the guy starts dreaming about different women that he like lusts over and the girlfriend into his dreams. She starts killing off the girls that he's dreaming about. So now he tries not to dream and it just gets like crazy at the end where, um, again, it's like Freddy Cougar. So that's your most recent project um, project. Yeah. Currently I'm working on a web series right now. Um, called risky business. Um, that's, that's back into the independent. I'm like, every day I'm like, I can't believe I'm back in this shit again. You know, like, <laughs> like, why did I do this? Why did I do this? Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk further. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to become a star. I'm trying to become a star. <laughs> people like remember it's like like five of us against them, you know. So, and then people come on my set like, oh well, you know they fed us when we own the city. So why they gave us this? And I'm like, I don't have it, you know. So like, look, we, man, here's an Arizona iced tea and a bag of like Fritos. Go over there. Did that? We gave her Arizona ice, Arizona iced tea and a bag of Doritos. As you should. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's the that's that executive producer situation where it's like, yo, can you find some place that's gonna like sponsor us with these meals or what have you? I think that's one of those things that that EP will be doing. Um, you know, if they're savvy enough to kind of even think in that that lane, like, yo, we're filming this here, we're featuring only Baltimore, blah, blah, blah. Boom. Yeah. Fun that. Give us that food. <laughs> that's a good point. Okay, so this is this is the um, this is my rapid fire questions. This is where we wrap up here. Um, so, rapid fire. The way that this is this works is I'm, I'll give you a, a question, 
And whatever the answer is, that's the answer. You're like, look, I said what I said. Oh shit! All right, okay, I got it. All right, so it's like it's like five questions. Um, what is your number one toughest thing about being a filmmaker? Money, not having enough. Uh, who are three of your favorite directors? Uh, Tim Burton. Uh, uh, shoot, myself. <laughs> Can I say that? that you, it's fine. It's fine. I, like, I love the confidence. Um, and then one more, one more, one more, one more, one more. Come on, Alvin, what are you doing? Um, uh, I don't know. What's wrong with me? Uh, I don't know. I don't have three. That's all good. Two, two works. Okay. Uh, if you were not a filmmaker, who, uh, who would you be? If I were a filmmaker, uh, I would probably be selling real estate. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What do you look for in an actor? Um, what I look for in an actor? Character. When I say character, just like um, diversity, some range. Some like I don't like people that's all done up and stuff. I like to see people like real, like dirty in a sense to see you know them at their. their I like because I bring. I feel like that brings character. Don't hide behind makeup and shape ups and stuff. Like I want to see who you really are. Makeup and shape ups. I want that authenticity. I get you. Yeah. Uh, this is the last one I got for you. Mm-hmm. This one, I think you'll, you'll, you'll find interesting. You may find it funny. Mm-hmm. What is the maximum number of retakes you've done for a shot? Oh man. <laughs> Take um, 75. I would say probably like 15. Oh uh, yeah. Like okay. 15. Yeah. Maybe a little bit the shot? more. Do you remember the shot? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I can say say it all out but it was a, it was a curse scene a scene where the guy okay. kept saying who the f are you right and i'm like no i need you to go i need you to go higher so he go who the f are you and i'm like no go lower so then he would go who the he kept doing it wrong <laughs> i was like i need you to draw it out so then he would go who the f are you so we had to do that about 15 20 times until we finally got it but when he when he did get it though that moment in the theater that's everyone's favorite part. Like the whole out of the whole movie, people would love that part. It's like it's like you were giving me Chris Tucker for a second there. And I was like, hold up. <laughs> I mean, that's the way like I would articulate it. It's like, look, you watch movies, right? I want this. I want this person. This is the reference I want. All right. Oh so my god. <laughs> that's all the questions that I have. But um, where can find find folks um, find more about you, your work, and and check out some of your stuff. Yeah, please. Right now, I'm just on social media very heavy. So um, uh, Facebook is more for my family. We can keep to Instagram right now. Um, my Instagram page is at Mr. Gray 2020. That's M-I-S-T-E-R-G-R-A-Y. G-R-A-Y. Mr. Gray 2020. Um, you can find me there. And if you explore, you might find me somewhere else. But that's where you go for professional stuff. Alrighty, so for uh, the super talented Alvin Gray, I am Rob Lee saying that there is art in and around your city. You just got to look for it. Mm-hmm.